0: Poland. uh, Things that come to mind. Not a whole lot. No.
1: (laughs) Poland. Probably not a whole lot. Uh, Polish sausages. No, I don't know anything about that
2: country. Poland sausages.
1: (laughs) pierogies. Is that it?
2: We
3: hope it's not. That's what we're going to try to show you.
4: Welcome to PolCast. Hi, this is Małgorzata Margaret Bonikowska, and you're listening to episode 95 of PolCast, recorded and produced by me in Toronto. Just to remind you, PolCast is not a news podcast. If you're interested in what's written about Poland in English, Online articles published in many countries by many media outlets, they are posted daily on Polcast Facebook. And those stories can be quite amazing. So visit Polcast Facebook regularly and check them out. Here is one recent example. Did you know that? Polish hell, spelled with just one L, has nothing to do with the English word hell with double L. In fact, it's a most picturesque, beautiful 35-kilometer-long peninsula in northern Poland, which separates the Bay of Puck from the open Baltic Sea. I have some amazing childhood memories from hell, which at its most narrow stretch is merely a 100 meters, 330 feet. And here comes the recent, rather absurd news. The only way In the summer, to get to the tip of the peninsula is by bus. The bus number has been for many, many years 666. And for years, nobody had any issue with that until some religious conservatives decided to claim that the route spreads Satanism. Why? Because the Bible identifies 666 as the number of the beast. So, to address this concern, the local bus company, PKS Gdynia, announced that they would turn the last number 6 upside down. So, the bus route will now be 669, as, according to those in power, number 669 is less controversial. So, be prepared for this change as of June 24th. The decision has gone viral, as you may imagine. To get informed about such fun stories, but also many more serious and educational ones, please find Polcast on Facebook and become its regular reader. You will find about four stories about Poland from all over the world every day. There are many which are worth reading. I have recently come back from Poland and have gone through massive, massive jet lag. But anyway, my visit was closely connected with Canada and my life here. As you may remember my quite unusual life story, after my PhD, I came to Canada in 1990 for just one year as an exchange professor. After a year, the first year, my exchange partner, Nancy Burke, suggested that we continue this exchange for another year, during which we both decided to stay for good, Nancy in Poland and me in Canada, having fallen in love with our respective new countries. Nancy did a lot of amazing things at my Institute of English Studies, University of Warsaw, to promote Canada. Unfortunately, she passed away. But what she did didn't get lost or forgotten. So when I got invited by this Institute of English Studies to give a lecture and a workshop in the new program of Canadian Studies, which had opened just a year before, I was overjoyed. And I went in May. It was like a homecoming. And also considering my work on promoting Canada and Poland, a wonderful, wonderful idea. And of course, that magical connection of our lives, Nancy's and mine. The Lecture Canada... What Makes It Tick was very well received, and there are serious plans for the future collaboration, which I will not reveal right now, but which make me very, very happy. Here is my interview with Professor Eva Ulchak, who is the person behind this Canadian Studies program from the Institute of English Studies side. She's a professor and deputy chair at the Institute of English Studies, University of Warsaw, and president of the Polish Association for American Studies, author of several books whose scholarly interests include early 20th century American literary and cultural history, modernist studies, ethnic U.S. literature, medical humanities, critical eugenic studies, cosmopolitan studies, and recently, ethnic Canadian literature. We talk about the new program at the Department of Modern Languages, the University of Warsaw. Eva, this is the second year of this incredible program. Um, University of Warsaw had never done it before until last year, and I was very happy to be able to meet the students of the first year of the new Canadian program. How did it all start?
2: The idea itself actually uh, dates back to the 1990s. Uh, So it's really an old idea, you know, when we had this incredible professor coming all the way from Toronto and actually a friend and a colleague of yours um, that came to the University of Warsaw, Professor Nancy Burke. And uh, she actually was my mentor when I was a student at that time. And she came up with this idea of um, setting up Frist Canadian, the Society for Canadian Studies. And then she came up with the idea of a program. So that was in the 1990s. She had her own um, center of um, Canadian Studies Center, but it, it wasn't a regular program. And then um, unfortunately, she passed away um, in 2006. And after this, um, because we didn't have the person that would have a PhD, for example, in Canadian studies, and uh, we are Um, the Faculty of Modern Languages that is heavily dominated in the Institute of English Studies by British Studies and actually American Studies. So it it was over two decades before, you know, the group of enthusiasts got together and decided, let's let's get back to this idea again. And this is how it all started. And that was also the initiative of people from the French Studies, um, because what they did, they didn't waste time. So there was another professor in French studies, Professor Kvaterko. Uh, Who just got
4: a very prestigious award. And Absolutely. Another. You know, uh,
2: he's like really number one. Uh, an incredible intellectual, but also a kind of an um, activist in the sense that he wants to have things happen. So that was also his idea. He had his center of Quebec studies that he set up in the Institute of Romance Languages. And so when I... Uh, shared with him the idea, okay, we are thinking about this program. And he said, oh, absolutely, let's do this. You need to contact this person and that person, you know, that is the administrator. And this is how it all started. Um, we went to the rector with this idea. We saw the counselor at the Canadian Embassy as well, because we were trying, you know, to get that kind of support. And both the rector of the University of Warsaw and also uh, Canadian Embassy, they have been incredibly uh, supportive of the idea. Uh, we talked to students and uh, they were also interested in something different that would address culture of North America that wouldn't be American studies. As we know, for any outsider, North America, it's not only for, for the outsiders that would be dominated by the culture and the politics, of course, of the US.
4: This is an interesting collaboration between you the Institute of English Studies and French Studies how does that work? Does it mean that the students are exposed equally to the francophone uh, literature, culture, French language, Canada? And what is the majority, which is the English language, Canada?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that's basically the idea right now that, you know, they're exposed equally to the English speaking and the French speaking culture and um, political culture, social culture, literature. So we have students actually that are fluent in both languages, in French and English, which is kind of setting the bar really high. So we have not that huge group of students at the same time. They are the best of the best. They are really so well-versed both in English and in French. And also they are coming from different backgrounds, um, for example, from political science. Journalism, so these are really special, really unique students, special people. And uh, I wasn't teaching in this program last year. I'm gonna teach this coming year. Uh, but what I heard from my colleagues and what I heard from you that these are incredible uh, students, you know yeah. uh, because exactly, even to speak and be fluent, you know and to, for example, to write in those two languages, that's something, and especially in contemporary world that is dominated by English. We're also thinking about kind of opening up this program a little bit so that we will have like a two paths. One would be in French for those that are better in French. Um, you know, the assumption is that in our contemporary world and definitely in Poland, the students speak English, period. You know, that's the situation right now because of the system of education in Poland. But we are thinking about having this other path for students that are, Um, that choose English as their major language, and they don't necessarily have to know French. So they will be learning French from the beginning. I think that would make the program more accessible to those that really want to study Canada, you know, critically, um, and that are thinking about this option, but at the same time, they don't know French.
4: Is there a lot of interest in the program?
2: Yeah, there is interest coming from students that are um, interested in North America generally. So some of them are those that are thinking, yeah, maybe not necessarily American studies. Everybody is doing American studies. Let's do something different. Sometimes they decide because they are thinking that maybe finding out about more about Canada will have them um a stronger grasp on the north american continent so for example they're interested in becoming journalists yes and um and they want to open up their options they're thinking about their jobs some of them i think you know they they are just fishing it's like something interesting you've been you've just been to poland you know when you the news is dominated by the states you know so some of them are simply curious wow there is this country out there <laughs> And yeah. it's not the United States. And um, and I know that I like, uh, you know, finding out new things. and But it's, I, I hope that it will be growing. Actually, we started out last year and we didn't have much time really to prepare, you know, like our students that for something like this. We have been working the whole past year. Um, and I think, yeah, we had lectures well, including your lecture. Um, so I hope that, you know, so we prepared the background um actually students will
4: be submitting their applications in two weeks. It's a two-year program, right? So it's they a they get years. master's degree at yeah. the end of the program. Yeah.
2: It's an MA program. So in order to get to this program, um the students have to uh get a BA um and in in anything basically. Um, so we actually we had a physicist as well, I remember last year. Um, and I think he's on a sabbatical right now. He got a BA in physics, he? And he was interested in um, in Canadian studies. That's a very interesting combination.
4: Yeah. The only other university that has a Canadian studies program is the Jagellonian University. Is that right?
2: Within American studies, they also have this. Yeah, but that's different. Also here, because of the emphasis on French, so this is the attempt also to think about Canada as this country. That, that has more than just English, given that French is also an official language. Because as I told you, this is actually a little bit of a problem that's tricky, you know, about Canada. It's how to talk about Canada and also to pay tribute to the fact that
4: it has two official languages. The narrative recently in Poland has been clearly dominated um, by the horror stories of Canada, which is residential schools, uh, for many reasons, right? Obviously, it was Joanna Onoszko's book, and then there was this three-part documentary, which was made by Marek Kosieczyński, who actually came to my lecture, which is a great thing, good friend. Uh, but that's not the whole of Canada. Do you find that this is really how Polish people now perceive Canada?
2: Yeah, well, you know what I'm thinking, yeah, that's it's actually uh, it's a pity that now because of what Poles have been exposed to, that that this is this um part of Canadian history that has been getting all this attention, given that there is not a counter narrative to this. Or recently, for example, the question of the fires, yes, coming from From Canada, and the focus was actually not on Canada as such, but the focus was on on the quality of air in New York City. So actually, I was I was thinking about this that you know it's obvious that there is this kind of uh, you know the dominance of a certain narrative, um, you know, or the lack of really solid information, you know, about Canada, the quality of life in Canada, or the stress on what is happening in Canada right now and how Canada can be perceived as a counter to what is happening in the States. Um, And uh, I would say, uh, yeah, that that would be this negative narrative that dominates the scene. And especially if, you know, we're talking about young Poles, students that don't have that solid background in the history of North America.
4: I wish you the most wonderful, very, very successful next year. I hope to join you at some point. And uh, my idea is to show a little bit of this other side of Canada, which I think I tried to show in the lecture, not to idealize it clearly because it's any country. It has all kinds of problems, but there is definitely a lot more than just the gloomy part which is very important. And I'm glad my country, Canada, is not trying to sweep it under the carpet. And I think that's a very important thing. All the best and hope to see you soon. Well, I
2: hope to see you soon too in Warsaw. And and I would like to say hello to everybody whoever is listening. And I would like to invite you. And if you have something interesting to say about Canada, you want to share this, please reach out to us. You know, we are absolutely open to any kind of collaboration. Um, a lecture, a talk, a meeting. Yes, please join us. Thank you very much, Eva. Thank you. you. Thanks.
4: It was also great not only to meet and have a workshop with, but also to talk later to three students from the Canadian Studies Programme. I'm sitting here in this gorgeous building, which is the Department of Modern Languages at the University of Warsaw, close to this beautiful university library. And I had a great pleasure to meet these three ladies who uh, I spoke to yesterday. We actually had a workshop together and they study Canadian studies. And I want to find out exactly what it is that made them decide to go into this program. The program has been going on. This is the first year. Yes, it's the master's uh, degree program uh, run jointly by the University of Warsaw Institute of English Studies and Institute of French Studies.
3: My name is Anne and I have chosen this program because, mainly because of opportunity to practice both of the languages I have known before, so that means French and English because we have classes in both of them. And also I have encountered some books or films about Canada, Canadian culture, so
4: I wanted to learn more about this country. What did you study? Because this is a master's, so you must have done a bachelor degree. In what?
3: Uh, I have done bachelor in journalism and especially in public relations and media marketing. So it's a completely new field for me, but it is very interesting and so far I'm enjoying it.
0: Hi, my name is Julia and I chose this program because I I had some classes in my bachelor degrees about Canadian literature and I really enjoyed it so I decided to develop this path. and also, as Anne previously said, I wanted to uh, still develop both of my languages so French and English.
4: And your bachelor in French. French okay all right how about Paulina
1: hello uh, my name is Paulina as it was said uh, I uh, chosen this those studies because I felt that I will uh, be able to practice the two of the languages that I studied previously because I had studied uh, cultural and philological studies with three languages and the third being the third being Spanish and I uh, felt that uh, well I want to uh, have this opportunity because uh, when I was a child I fell in love uh, with Anne of Green Gables. I fell in love with the uh, history of Canada
4: and I wanted to explore it more. It's a bilingual program, right? It's in English and in French. Equally?
0: Uh, I would say yes,
3: because we have both language classes, English and French. I mean, just language. But we also have some lectures on literature, history and culture, and they are both in English and in French. Not like simultaneously, they are separate subjects, but in both languages.
0: Yes, and we can also write our thesis either in French or in English, and we could decide on it at the very beginning of studies, and we will have one thesis in English and three thesis in French this year.
4: But you are going to write in French or in English? I will be writing in French. Because it's easier. For me, yes, because I finished uh, French studies. Do you believe that you have equal coverage of this English-speaking Canada and, well, the French-speaking Canada, which is really Quebec at New Brunswick?
1: Well, I believe that uh, we can uh, definitely explore more of uh, English speaking Canada because for now we only had like two classes concerning this. I think that uh, for the French part, we have more experienced people. They know a lot, they love to share their knowledge and they are extremely knowledgeable people with uh, great passion for teaching and sharing it.
4: So, there is more French than English?
0: I wouldn't say so because previous semester I think we had more uh, class in French, but this semester we have, I think, more in English. So, I think it is balanced in a way. Maybe it's not like super equal, but I think more or
1: less it's all covered.
4: So, what is it that you would like to do more of?
1: Well, difficult question, because uh, I think that uh, we as the students are uh, now able to share also our interests. So maybe in the future, the studies will be even more uh, open for other possibilities. So that's why I... believe that uh, the Canadian studies are a wonderful idea for people who want to share their interests and uh, also to practice uh, their language. It's a beautiful possibility.
4: Any ideas of what you would like? Like what are your suggestions for those future Canadian studies uh, people?
3: Uh, for future students? So, maybe do not be afraid because it seems difficult, especially that in the recruitment process you are obliged to speak two languages and so on. But I think that nowadays there are more and more people who are able to like master two languages in such a level that they are able to take classes in those languages. So, do not be afraid to like start the process and also you don't have to know everything about. About Canada, the studies are to learn about it.
0: Yes, especially that everyone here is very friendly, and in case of any troubles, of questions, even some language problems, there are people ready to help anytime any problem. so there is no need to worry about anything.
4: Where did the fascination with Canada come from in in your cases?
0: Uh, for me, it was the
3: cinema obviously because in general I'm a huge fan of cinema and Xavier Dolan and Denis Villeneuve are one of my two most favorite directors and also I have read a book that was very very popular in Poland by Joanna Gierak-Onoszko and this also has brought me a little bit closer to the topic of Canada.
0: For me, it was definitely classes during my bachelor's degree about uh, Canada, about literature, also culture and society. And this Canadian series, Trailer Park Boys, also have a special place in my heart, obviously.
1: Well, for me, it was a process because, as I said, I started with uh, falling in love with Anne. So I, I really enjoyed the work of uh, Lucimo Montgomery. Uh, then I think that I also par- participated in some of the classes concerning Canada. And I also really loved Celine Dion. So let's, let's be honest.
4: Would you be interested in having classes with me interviewing somebody from Canada? Would that be something you would be interested in?
1: Yes, that would be definitely a pleasure to talk with uh, people from Canada. I would be really, really happy to talk with them. Uh, Yes, of
3: course. It's always interesting to meet new people, especially from different countries and different cultures, because it adds to our perspective.
0: I also agree with that because we are very adventurous and we are not afraid of with, like talking with other people because we already encountered some uh, politicians from Canada and I think this meeting went really smooth and well. So now after this meeting, we are not afraid of anything.
4: Is there anything that you learned from, for example, from meeting me yesterday? Anything that you found that you did not know? Maybe you knew all that that I told you.
0: Maybe how people are so polite in Canada. I mean, because we learn a lot about some facts, some history, dates and all this. But I think the biggest impression that I got from yesterday's meeting was the fact that people are so polite to each other, so nice and they smile a lot. I didn't have idea that it was that much.
1: Well, I agree with you, Yeah, We uh, had the possibility to... Feel a little bit of spirit of Canada, the heart of people. And it was really, really enjoyable for us. I appreciate that we got some flashes
4: from like real life. Thank you so much. I wish you a wonderful rest of your academic year.
0: Do you have any exams? Yeah, they are coming. So there is a lot to do.
4: All the best then. I wish the Canadian Studies lots of success and I hope to continue to be actively involved in it. I also wish to thank the Dean of Modern Languages at the University of Warsaw for appointing me to the department's advisory committee. Great honour. Please visit Polcast website at mypolcast.com to get more information, to find links and to see photos. And while in Warsaw, I visited our Canadian embassy to interview the new Canadian ambassador to Poland. It's a kind of a tradition that I present each new ambassador of Canada to Poland on podcast and or in Gazeta. Her Excellency Catherine Godin has worked in several federal departments and with the International Committee of the Red Cross in Burundi and Sri Lanka. She joined the Department of Foreign Affairs and International Trade in 2001. In Ottawa, she was Director General of the Office of Human Rights, Freedoms and Inclusion, as well as Executive Director of the Human Rights and Indigenous Policy Affairs Team and Director of the Humanitarian Affairs and Disaster Response Group. She has also held various positions abroad, including Counselor and Program Manager At the Canadian Embassy in Washington, DC, and Deputy Permanent Representative at Canada's mission to the United Nations in Geneva. She came to Poland and began her mission in February 2023 as the successor to previous Canadian ambassador, Leslie Scanlon. This is your first post as an ambassador.
5: How do you see your role? What is your
4: main role in in this position?
5: It's my first position as an ambassador, but I was chargé in Geneva for almost a year and previously posted in Washington and other, uh, area, other countries as well where I stayed. So um, I'm extremely fortunate to be in Poland now at this time in the current state of the world. It's complicated. It's difficult. It's a difficult time for uh, Polish people it's a preoccupying time for canadian people and it's a dramatic time for ukrainian people so we are in a moment in history where being putting my little piece of rock contributing in my own way to what's happening globally is clearly a priority so that's how I want to engage in this mandate. I'm excited. It's been only a few months since I've arrived here in the fall of 2022. I have much to do. I have much to learn, but I'm surrounded by terrific people and, you know, I need to, I need to build on this. Because of the political situation, does it mean that the political issues uh, are so
4: important that you have to almost like sacrifice some other parts of what an embassy would
5: normally do? You can't sacrifice because the job of the ambassador is all-encompassing. So the geopolitical context requires us to be quick on our toes, but this embassy has lifted up itself in every way. So the political context the diplomacy is more important than ever. It's not dead. It's alive and kicking. It's part of my job. The trade section requires a lot of attention right now. It's really important to be able to support Poland in in its uh, energy security ambition. So that cannot be neglected either. We have to be supportive of Canadians who come to Poland. It's not like we can leave consular affairs aside. It's not possible. We have to engage in public diplomacy. Civil society requires our presence. I have not named everything that we do, but at the end of the day, I don't have the luxury of leaving anything aside. So that's part of the challenge, trying to find where we're most impactful. Canada
4: is accepting so many immigrants nowadays, right? And we know that it's going to go up to 500,000 in two years. Do you find a lot of interest in a lot of Poles wanting to emigrate and live in Canada?
5: I meet with youngsters regularly um, and there's this appetite and this fascination that does not go away. Uh, The people-to-people ties are very strong between our countries, I'm hoping, that uh, Poles will feel the desire to go to Canada increasingly. It's a welcoming country, but uh, Poland also needs its people if they want to stay here. Just a bit like um, Canada is facilitating um, emergency visas for Ukrainians who go to Canada. Um, they're very welcome in Canada, but they also are part of the future of their own country. So we need to people make their own choices there. And so um, hopefully Poles wish to come to Canada, but I also know that they, they are very much Needed in their own country.
4: So, does the embassy do anything to encourage people who are interested in Canada to find their way
5: there easily? We have a, a serious focus with regards to international students. We facilitate and inform people about our uh, education program to um, facilitate. And that's what our immigration colleagues are doing. But we're always available to answer any questions on those, uh, on those issues and present their Canadian reality and debunk, explain and attract. In
4: January, I was in London at the UCL uh, Leaders Conference, and one of the panels was about cultural diplomacy. There was a former ambassador of um, the UK to South Korea, and he was talking about the values. So I want to know, because I believe that Canada has very special Canadian values, do you try to somehow make Polish people aware of them? Is that the role that you see also as important for you?
5: It's very important. It's very important to be ourselves in the image that we project. It's important that we demonstrate our diversity. It's important that we demonstrate the importance we put on human rights, for instance. It's important that you present uh, Indigenous reconciliation as part of the things that are a pride, but also a challenge for our own country. So uh, it means that with regards to women issues, for instance, if you walk outside the embassy right now, and hopefully for our first uh, another few months, we have a beautiful uh, exhibition called faces of Canada, uh, presenting strong women that present the picture of who we are um, as as a society from that gendered perspective. But yes, we need to present ourselves how we are uh, and our values in all their diversity, um, supporting women's rights, supporting LGBTQI rights, uh, reinforcing the importance of reconciliation addressing the fact that sometimes our memories are painful, but it means we also need to face our memories to be able to move forward together. Your background really
4: is in human rights and inclusiveness, I think. So Poland doesn't have a very good record in these respects, unfortunately, as you know. Uh, We're talking about human rights, LGBT, we're talking about women's rights and so on. How do you deal with this? Like being from a country that is so different.
5: Well, first of all, I don't think we're as different as we think. I think you know, we are at a moment in time where uh, Canada and Poland are very aligned on a number of issues, our engagement together with regards to Ukraine. But that means that we have, we're able to have a frank dialogue. We're able to talk together as friends and recognize that sometimes um, we might not see things the same way. And it's also that in my dialogues with Poles, I found a community of thinking. When I meet with not only just my colleagues, but outside the embassy, of course we talk with civil society, regular citizens, I don't find that the gulf is always that big and that those connections are meaningful. So um, I think it's the importance is about dialogue. The importance is about presenting how we engage on those things and and what universal values are. Uh, Human rights are uh, universal values. Uh, This year is the 75th anniversary of the Universal Declaration for Human Rights. And it's a declaration that Canada signed. It's a declaration that Poland signed. So for me, those are meeting points where we can actually, explore our commonalities and bear in mind what those human rights are
4: let's talk about ukraine because obviously this is the most important issue now what do you do how do you what is your role as an ambassador and the whole embassy in 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 this respect
5: we can break it into, into many parts. Um, it's clear that Ukraine is uh, a key priority for the government of Poland. It's a key priority for the government of Canada. So obviously, when we engage to speak about diplomacy, we, uh, we have this meeting point for them to get go. It also means that um, our team in Poland is really close to reality of Ukraine. So we feel very strongly the importance of supporting citizens of Ukraine from Warsaw. We're deeply engaged in that sense. Canada has thus far um, provided $8 billion of support to Ukraine, taking many forms obviously humanitarian, obviously through the emergency um, visa program, um, also from a military aid perspective, uh, from a infrastructure reconstruction on energy, these many facets, a lot of them, not to say most of them, they come through Poland. So we're, in some ways, we're a logistical backdoor. We're an immediate support. Uh, people who come to Ukraine Pretty much all of them come through this country. We've had numerous de- delegations in the embassy that we've supported. And we need to facilitate and explain and put them in touch with the terrific people we have in Kiev and our Kiev colleagues that are based in Warsaw as well. So we really want to ensure that we provide um, the communications conduit, the explanation, and the, we are really joined at the hip with Poland to respond to the needs um, in Ukraine. And does the embassy conduct
4: any educational programs for Polish people, like in anything, anything that's typically Canadian?
5: Well, we meet with the university students really regularly, and they address so many topics. Sometimes immigration is an issue of interest. Sometimes our response to Ukraine uh, is an issue of interest. Sometimes it's human rights, obviously an area I'm comfortable with. Or broadly speaking, there's appetite all around, and I get really pointed questions from really, really sophisticated students. I think in the last two weeks, I've met three groups of students. So that's an educational sign that we're doing. Obviously, also uh, going to university. I was at Jagiellonian and University of Warsaw. At the end of the day, that engagement is really, really active.
4: And to what extent would Canadian embassy support Canadian studies at, for example, Warsaw University?
5: Uh, We've been there um, actively supporting them, not only through books, but also through our presence and punctual uh, programs or events that they will have over the calendar. And what
4: about challenges? What do you see as biggest challenges ahead of you?
5: I would say the biggest challenge is workload. Um, I am extraordinarily impressed by the team of this embassy. Let's not forget that the war started after two years of COVID. So it was the strain on the team was already very real. And everybody, you know, like starting uh, February 23, 24th, everybody in 2022 rolled up their sleeves. When I got here, what I saw was a team that was passionate, a team that was dedicated, knowledgeable, but tired. So challenge number one is to make sure that we're really clear on our priorities, that things that are nice to do, uh, secondary, we don't do. You know, um, and one thing that I should have mentioned earlier on is also our engagement culturally with uh, some uh, festivals with regards to documentaries. Millennium Docs was the last one that we we did together. We still feel those things are important. But we need to make tough choices. We're not in a time where we do nice to do. We do nothing that's nice to do because we have this team's mandate, which predates the war, that is supplemented by a critical mandate that needs to continue. Uh, The team here is extremely engaged on immigration um, with regards to the visa program I was talking about. They have been supplemented a bit. There's a bit more people that have been here, but we're talking about hundreds of thousands of documents that have been reviewed, printed, issued, working with colleagues and other missions. So we really, really need to be focused on what we need to do, because if not, everybody is going to be on burnout next week.
4: Obviously, you can look at what happened before you, who was doing the, the same job before you. Does the person make a big difference? Okay, there is a line that the government is, is, is outlining and you just follow it. Or do you think that the ambassador is the key person in many ways?
5: It's a bit of both in the sense that the government of Canada has a policy that every ambassador needs to implement. There's no, it's not bizarre. It's no gray. I don't freelance. I don't pretend. I don't think, you know, it's me. It's about my agenda. Hopefully my personality is part of how I deliver, Uh, you know, like with my shortcomings and my assets. I'm an energetic person. I have, you know, a lot of appetite. I think we need to do a lot. We can do a lot. um, But. I, hopefully I do this in a horizontal way where all the programs that we have uh, feel that they're strengthened and supported and, and we can all deliver together. So it's a team effort. It's not about me, but I bring my special sauce, I suppose.
4: Do you think there is a special connection between the Polish um, diaspora and what you guys do here? Can, is there a lot of dialogue or should there be a lot of dialogue, mutual exchange and so on?
5: The diaspora is really important because when we talk about people to people, the uh, Polish diaspora in Canada is meaningful. Hopefully, they're interested in what we do. Hopefully, they're supportive of what we do. But we need to maintain those connections at the end of the day, for sure, because um, they're an integral part of uh, Canada's identity. They're also an integral part of the meaningfulness of what we do here in Poland. So we need to keep these things attached for sure. So my last question is about the funding. Does the government
4: of Canada fund enough what you do here or what generally embassies do all over the world? Has the funding increased or decreased?
5: Well, we manage. At the end of the day, uh, the government has to deliver on a lot of fronts. Domestically, it has a lot of operational things to deliver on. COVID was an important moment, which generated unexpected expenses. Um, Ukraine also generated unexpected expenses. This mission is actively investing some of those funds through our own action. We feel we're endowed. If you're asking me, would you want to have more funds? I'll tell you, of course I would. Of course I would. Of course I'd like to do this more, do this more. But um, I look at the tools that colleagues and other missions have, and I feel our endowment is uh, reasonable and that we can effectively implement um, almost to the level of our ambitions. Not quite, but almost.
4: Any message to those Poles who are Canadians and who live in Canada, but who are so attached to Poland?
5: Uh, Keep an eye on us, be in touch, uh, send us an email. We're easy to find online. And um, if you have views, please share them with us because we we need that dynamism and that energy. Thank you, Madam Ambassador. It was my pleasure. Dziękuję bardzo. Do widzenia. On behalf of Polcast, I
4: wish Her Excellency a most exciting time in Poland. Lots of success and special moments. Please visit Polcast website at mypolcast.com to get more information, to find links, and see photos, including the photo exhibit on the Canadian Embassy Wall in Warsaw, which Ambassador Godin was talking about. You can learn a lot about outstanding Canadian women. <laughs> For a lot of additional information, multimedia, and links, please visit my website at mypolcast.com. And while you're there, please share your comments, your reactions, and suggest ideas. If you know of any interesting story that I should cover on podcast, please let me know. Also, please remember about the crowdfunding campaign. Like all other podcasts, we count and depend on our listeners. What is free for you to listen to is not free for me to make. So, if you can, please support podcast. Go to mypodcast.com slash support and make a pledge. Any amount is great. If you like what you heard, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to rate this episode on your favorite podcast app. Since February last year, Polkast has sent this message. Slava Ukraini. We love and admire you, our Ukrainian sisters and brothers. And please remember, you can always count on us. On Polcast, we have featured Polky, P-O-L-K-Y, a mostly Polish folk group which plays amazing folk pieces and performs all over Canada. Their music is very unique and very different from your traditional folk music that you are probably used to. If you're in Canada, in Ontario, you can hear Polky in Guelph on July 18th at a concert where they will share the stage with Hanba. A very interesting acoustic punk folk group from Poland. And I leave you with this beautiful piece, Rain, from Polki's album Songs from Home.
3: Biedny za wyjadę Wyjadę, wyjadę, nie za rok, nie za dwa
0: Nie jedna szlozenka, z oczynka
4: wypadę.
3: Ponęka, gdzie kochanie macie
4: Kto kochania nie zna, ten Boga szczęśliwy Ma nockę spokojną, dziomek nietęskliwy